Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley, the 4-0 victory over our promotion rivals of the podcast. Well, that was very Christmassy. Finally, I'm joined by the 2-1 loss on Boxing Day of the podcast. That was not very Christmassy. It's Dan Holdsworth. Dan, how was your Christmas, mate? My Christmas was calorie um, laden. Thank you very much, which is no bad thing at all. Uh, I'm going to dive in straight away with food. I've had, I've had some very good food. I've not had Yorkshire puddings with my Christmas dinner because that's important to point out. <laughs> that's heresy, people. And um, today I've had a, a, a wonderful steak pie and chips in the pub at lunchtime. So I'm, I'm, I'm all good and ready to podcast. That sounds cracking. Uh, for me, my Christmas was very chaotic. On the evening of Christmas Day, there was nine children in my house. All my kids, as well as all of my uh, brother and sister's children, as well. So, yes, lots of lots of chaos. That's how my Christmas always is. Yeah, that that finished me off. To be honest, I don't envy you, mate. <laughs> it very nearly did me, but we're used to it, so it's fine. Um, but regards to food that I've eaten today, I had some garlic butter, baby potatoes with a bacon and cheese quiche. It's Lorraine, I guess you could you'd call it, but it was a fancy one. Um, one of the little extra special ones with nice big chunk, chunks of bacon. I've had those. Nice. Yeah, the deluxe ones. The black. Yeah. yeah, they're good. I've had those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very nice. Anyway, let's talk football. Let's talk yes. football. Yes, that's why we're here. We're not here to talk about food, even though it is the Christmas season and we all love a bit of food, but we're here to talk about Leeds United and the two recent fixtures against Ipswich and Preston North End. Uh, so we'll talk, as person is most recent the fixtures, we'll talk about that game in a bit more detail. But first, we will discuss the Ipswich victory because we want to talk about something positive on this podcast. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so first of all, game summary. So in the Ipswich game, both teams opted for their usual four-two-three-one formations. In the first half, Leeds dominated possession early in the game. We got off to a quick start with Pascal Strauch heading home from close range from a corner situation after Perot had his header saved in the eighth minute, making the score one-zero. Ipswich came into the game more, having good spells of possession, however weren't able to create any good chances, with Leeds mainly threatening in transition, which bore fruits in the 25th minute when Somerville broke forward and put a cross into the box, which Leeds Davis, very good, converted at the far post to make the score 2-0. For the rest of the half, Leeds edged the possession battle, but Ipswich still had spells of possession, with neither team creating many good chances. This did change, however, late in the half, with Leeds earning a penalty when we broke forward quickly and Somerville was brought down, which he then converted to bring the score to 3 0 going into the second half. Second half continued largely the same way the first half had ended, with Ipswich unable to do too much with their possession they had, and Leeds largely dominating possession proceedings. The score was extended to 4 0 in the 52nd minute, thanks to some quick feet from Perot and a well finished effort. The game ended 4 0, with Leeds continuing to dominate possession, with Ipswich not making any good chances throughout the whole game. So, this was a very convincing win on paper now, with a scoreline of 4-0. However, Leeds created 1.9 XG in this game, with only 0.28 of this being from open play, with the remaining XG being a combination of set-piece XG from the opening goal and the penalty. Um, are you concerned by that? Take it in isolation, not specifically, because 
you know, it's like a game state thing, isn't it? We didn't need to, you know, we, we were like one up early on, we're, we were two up fairly early and we were doing a really good job sort of countering and, and sort of containing Ipswich and countering them, weren't we? Uh, and what have you. So, so in, in isolation, not concerned massively about that, but if you look at the last, it's more of a general concern that, that we've seen similar kind of XG numbers coming up in a few games recently. So it's more across across the last five games, the general kind of chance creation numbers haven't from open play haven't been particularly good. That's more of a concern, really. So yeah, that that's that, that's part of the wider discussion I'd like to have. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get onto the wider thinking a bit later on in the pod. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would agree. I, I'm not, I wasn't concerned about this one individual game has been low for open play XG. We did largely dominate proceedings. And once since we went went ahead quite early, and then also scored another another goal not long after that. When we were in possession of the ball, I don't think we were taking many risks. We were just we were mainly looking to switch out and try to create more space. And then when when they did win the ball off us, we quickly got the ball back off them, and we're just generally quite dominant in getting that ball back. So they really had not much of a sniff in the entire game. Barely anything. I think two three shots. I think. And two of those were, I think, maybe one of them Melier tipped onto, onto the post, possible. But Yeah, I, I had a really good close look at that because I'm, I'm sat where I sit, Ellen Road is behind that goal. And it live, I thought he had tipped it, but I kept, like I said, I replayed it a thousand times uh, when I got home later on. And I couldn't quite see it. I don't think he did. I think it was just a straight hit the post, I think. I think Melier got pretty close to it, but I don't think he, he did anything to it. But whatever, yeah, the, the, on the original point, yeah, two shots. They had two shots, that one and one that kind of whistled past the other post at the same end in the first half. And then I mean, they had zero shots in the second half of the game. I mean, yeah, it was like a wonderful containing job, wasn't it? We absolutely not only dominated and contained them. Like they had, you know, they had next to zero threat. I think the downside of that is that we're not kind of flinging bodies forward and making tons, are we? And that impacts the XG. But Game State helped us do that, didn't it? Completely, as I said before. And when we did attack at speed, we were kind of pretty pretty dangerous, I think. Yeah, I felt the same. And there were a number of moments where we could have scored more. Um, and why not? It's just quite a few attacks which were sort of spoiled due to maybe not being decisive enough with the final pass when we were hitting them in transition, especially in the second half. Dan James. Yeah. I don't want to say it, but yes, uh, Dan James was. He spot a few attacks in that game. He did, he did. But yeah, so like we've already mentioned, Ipswich didn't create a lot. They only created 0.12 xG in the whole game. So I think we may have already covered this, but do you think this was down to our out-of-possession approach, or was this down to Ipswich being poor on the ball? Yeah, I think there were some sloppy moments from Ipswich, really, in their build-up. I mean, having watched them before the game and you know I've been fairly impressed with how they build up and like draw teams in a bit like us and then launch it forward they were just they were a little bit sloppy in that but I thought we had a complete like physical dominance over them like we were winning all our duels weren't we we were kind of like you know we had the, the quality of the athlete at Leeds is is way above what Ipswich have got individually you just saw how we could physically dominate individual battles we were faster than them you know you saw how like players like Somerville were just burning past their defenders kind of at ease so I just I just felt we we're sharper bigger stronger faster than them in pretty much any facet so when it came to kind of duels and things we were winning it when it you know if they had the, the slightest moment of of uh, uh, of sloppy passing we were on them and we were nicking it and, and breaking it away so um I, I thought our press and our kind of approach to to stopping Ipswich was tip top I mean absolutely you know 10 out of 10 yeah give, give Fark credit for that setup and give the give the players credit for the execution as well of that setup it was really really good yeah i agree well we were very very good at obsession and it was another good display of man marking in this in this game from what i saw um there was Perot who was mainly picking up um luango i believe Mumpadu was covering Broadhead, who was yeah. being in, in, in midfield quite often because he inverts, giving Davis the wide areas, which was leaving great to cover Davis getting forward. But on occasion, sometimes Archer would pick up Broadhead as well. Um, if, if Broadhead would gone into a wider area and, and then moved centrally, Archer would follow him all the way into midfield and sometimes quite deep. So we were quite stick, sticking to the man marking in this game which was was very effective. I think that's, that's something which we're going to play after we've... Um, played Ipswich last time. So that's a massive difference in the XG which they created in, in the last game, which was over two XG, I believe, off the top of my head. I think so. I think so, yeah. So quite a massive difference. I know, I know it was at our ground, so it was always going to be less, but that's quite a significant margin less. And this man-marking approach really did do a number on them, which I, I think I expected more from them, to be honest. And I think they approached it a little naively t- tactically. And you know we don't like to say say teams who are going against their style of play often. At least Mike himself, being a lover of Bielsa, who never changes from his 
method of play. But I think that if if they would have changed even a little bit in their approach, then they could have seen more better results in this game because they were leaving quite a lot of space for us to attack in, and which maybe we didn't make enough of in open play. But since we scored early and then got another one, it maybe wasn't needed as much. I was re- just it's worth pointing out actually because I've I've had a little bit of a dig at Dan James, but actually defensively I thought Dan James was great because like you say when Archie Gray was following his marker, Dan James was really good at filling in at right back and tracking his runner. I noticed that watching back, he was looking, scanning, pointing, you know, just just generally being aware of his defensive responsibilities. So I think mean, it's worth pointing out to be fair, just to balance there. Most definitely, um, that's one thing you can always rely on Dan James for is his out of possession work, and that was very much on, on display in in that game. Um, I did I did notice a little difference with um, James. I think it was down to since Broadhead was being covered by Ampadu and mainly Archie was picking up Davis. There were a lot of occasions where Dan was leaving Archie to it, so he added Davis to himself rather than looking back and helping with that area because Ampadu was was covering that, which often led to. And James being quite open and able to be met on the counter a few times. There was one particular lovely move where I think Perot had dropped quite deep following Luongo. And I think Archie Gray won the ball in sort of at deep in, in the right back area. And he sort of played a, played a ball forward to Perot, who quickly did a side, sideways pass to James, who then burst forward with the ball. So I think that was an intentional strategy, was to focus on that. Yeah, I definitely think so because the way Ipswich play the kind of the, the back four with Davis essentially becoming the left winger, the back four shuffles across, doesn't it? And it's the the left centre back becomes almost de facto, de facto left left back strokes left centre back, doesn't he? What was his name? I forget his name now. Anyway, doesn't matter. But the the point was their their back three, the remaining back three, they were really slow, weren't they? I mean, so so Dan James being that spare man made an absolute ton of sense because he just had acres of space to run into, didn't he? Behind Davis, most definitely. Good tactical ploy that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, regards to this game, who stood out for you, either for good performances or bad performances for us? Yeah, I mean, Ampadu just just locked up his midfield battle, didn't he? And Kamara supported him really well. I thought he 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 he'd locked down um, the the ten whose name escapes me now at the bad moment. Chaplin, Chaplin, that's it. Chaplin, yeah, yeah. Ampadu did a great job locking him down because he's a danger, dangerous danger player. Really, good, you know, he's a good player at this level. We saw from that one moment where the way he hit the post, he does he can be sharper on the area. You know, it's quite a good finisher, I think. So, you know. He had to do a good job. I mean, Pascal was imperious, wasn't he? Just dominated everything in that area. I mean, who remembers George Hurst? No, not 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 me, not me at all. No, yeah, exactly, Pascal. Um, one one thing, just specifically, not so much for his creativity or which we normally praise him for, but Rutter's hold up play, kind of traditional centre forward play, I thought was good. The way he kind of backed into the centre centre halves, he was kind of traditional. You know, he was like going in with his back, wasn't he? Holding the ball, laying it off. It was kind of. You know, quite a lot of almost like an old-fashioned target man, almost playing at times, and he did that well. No, I agree. He was good in that. Yeah, I think he used his he used his body well, his size. It's quite a big guy, Ritter, isn't he? He's, you know, he's, he's north of six foot, isn't he? Quite a chunky, quite a muscular frame. So he used his, his frame pretty well, I thought. And then just 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 Somerville just showed his absolute and utter like class. I mean, the, 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 I mean, is that was it the second goal? Yeah, the second goal, the, the Leaf Davis own goal, where he just kind of burst past like two players as if they were just like. Mannequins, yeah, and he just he just absolutely just he just left them, and then played the ball across, and it just absolutely caused chaos, you know. But just the way he can go and go from like not to not to hundred so quickly, that's kind of like real athletic class, isn't it? That I'm talking about that we have, the Ipswich don't have that ability to get from not to hundred really quickly. You know, I think across you know across a long race, some of those Ipswich guys could probably catch some of them, but not not in that kind of short burst like he's got there. That's just that's just class. So I think just those moments from from. From like like Somerville and Rutter's hold up play and Pascal and, and Padoux. I mean, it's kind of the usual suspects, isn't it? Our better players, really. I've just named, but our better players came to the fore that game. No, I agree. I probably couldn't pick out a bad performer, performer um, really, overall. I think you probably, maybe the only one will be Dan James in possession. Um, he did waste, waste a few attacks, um, but he's but he, but he also was very good out, out of possession. So, they just give it an average game overall. But I think another one who I think went a bit under the radar in this game was Archie Gray. I felt like he had a very good game in this one. And if, I'm not sure if you noticed the interception that he made for the third, for the third goal. Um, or was it the fourth goal, actually? Maybe in the fourth. But was it Perros? I think it was. Perros the one in the second half. The third goal was the penalty, wasn't it? So- yes, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, in the second half, so the fourth goal, um, there's a ball being played down, uh, and then he just very quickly, just even before the pass had been played, I think, I think he saw that he was coming and just made his way towards it and just nipped in, and then that was crucial to it. And then he played the ball inside, and then he got forward himself, and then he played it on to Rutter, who then stopped ball, and it was, but yeah, so 
Ray had, had a good game as well. I felt he was. Yeah, it was a really nice kind of like diagonal driving run, wasn't it? From right back, kind of to centre mid, almost, wasn't it? You know, kind of kind of driving run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good point. Yeah, it's it's worth pointing out because I think obviously we're going to talk a bit about Chigray out in the Preston game, which wasn't great, but it's worth pointing out the good, if you like, to Barnes. Of course, yeah. <laughs> there is definitely some things that we'll get into in the Preston game about Gray's game. I think that's about everything for the Ipswich game. Just one thing actually worth pointing out. It wasn't it's, it's, the general criticism of Pro is his lack of involvement, but I thought in this game, I mean, he took his goal well, didn't he? He took it just really sharp. You know, it was kind of like a scruffy goal, but like his sharp finishing put it away. But more than that, quite a few times he was just he was playing some nice one touch passing. Like some nice build-up play on the right hand side, and he was kind of releasing James or releasing players, and it just—it was just a little bit sharper from him. Sometimes he takes like one too many touches per row, and it just felt like a game where it kind of clicked quite nicely for him. I thought in that respect, on the ball, worth pointing out. I mean, he wasn't fantastic compared to the other players we mentioned, but but worth noting that he can play a constructive midfield kind of role. Yeah, I agree. He was dropping deep quite often in this game as well. I noticed he was really doing quite a good job of covering. Um, Luongo when he got forward it was, it was mainly it was mainly Marcy who was sitting deeper and Luongo was, get, was getting forward so when Luongo did that he took with him and that's always a good thing to see and that enabled him to link up well when we, we did win the ball and he's got a good touch he's got a good touch from him and a good pass to find those quick movements and I think that's been improved in his game because he's not really played too much transitionally in the, in English football previously yeah. There's ones who weren't really a traditional team at all, um, more action orientated than what we are. So it's I think it's taken him some time to get used to the difference. That we are quite, even though we we do possess the ball a lot, a lot of our good stuff comes from tra- in transition. So he's had to adapt to that part of his game, and I think it is coming, coming on. It wasn't as good in passing game, but we'll get into that shortly. But yeah, definitely worth noting that he was good in the Ipswich game and his goal was fantastically finished such quick feet the way because he didn't have long to react to that yeah the goal was about the finish really because the build up play kind of got scruffy it was a good start wasn't it from Gray and Rutter but it kind of got scruffy didn't it but then just just when he, he just picked it up and you know a nice fast feet and a great finish that's kind of what you want from him that's what you want from the guy isn't it that's what he's good at that's his strength exactly and he has been showing some better, better ball striking in recent games so I'm hoping that continues good stuff so now we'll move on to the Preston game. I think there's more to talk about in this one and some more, some more general things we want to discuss. So we'll start in with a game summary. Um, so Leeds approach this game in their usual 4-2-3-1 formation, with Preston opting for a 4-1-4-1 formation. Leeds once again dominated possession in the opening of the game, with, largely, with Preston largely looking to hit us in transition. They've continued throughout the half, however neither team were able to create many good chances. The second half continued in this fashion. However, the dynamic was shifted in the 53rd minute when Melier was shown a red card for a push to the face on Osmogic. Four minutes later, this was followed up by Preston scoring, thanks to a well-placed header from Brown. Preston had more of the ball than Leeds did after the red card, and Leeds attempted to shake things up with some subs in the 68th minute. Leeds were able to back into the session game in phases despite the red card, but still did mainly threaten in transition. There was a glimmer of hope in the 83rd minute, and Cal Strout converted a penalty won by Dan James, bringing the score to 1-1. However, this hope was soon quashed in a very non-Christmasy fashion three minutes later when Liam Miller was played through in transition, bearing home a fantastic effort to make the score 2-1. And this is how the game ended, which, that we've already mentioned, you have to say, was not very Christmassy. But before we continue with the interrogation for the Preston game, it's time for an ad break. Before that happens, I'm going to have to the as I do not want Tom Alderson to murder me, because we didn't do it last time. So don't worry, patrons, you don't have to listen to this part. Our patrons get access for as little as £1.99 per month, which gives you ad-free podcasts, and if you want to pay a little more, you can get other benefits, including early access to our preview pods, analysis, articles, videos, and bonus podcasts. If you want to find out more about our Patreon, you can please visit patreon.com forward slash A-S-A-W. Good stuff. Now let's get back to the analysis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, first of all, in this game, he's created 1.35 XG, which sounds impressive, but with 0.79 of this being from the penalty, and 0.18 was from set pieces, which brings our open play XG to a miserly 0.38. So, why do you think that we weren't able to create an open play, Dan? Good defensive setup from Preston, to be fair. I mean, they kind of they kind of set it up set up in a it's kind of like four one four one, but occasionally like a back five of the way players filled in. So, and they were very good. I mean, I think Preston realised that we are very left side dominant with our attacks, and we were especially left side dominant in this game. So, I think they had the they had a system like a kind of a pendulum defensive system where the 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 winger on the the ball side, so mostly the right winger, um, would would tuck in and become a wing back. Um, Meaning the rest of the back four could make a back five, and and the far side winger would tuck across and almost be like a wide centre, you know, a widest centre mid, and they were just very very compact. So there was there was one point when I was watching the game, and like, and I just paused it on screen and counted like it was almost like watching a Jesse Marsh match when all the players are huddled in one in one one part of the pitch, but there were, and I counted like Preston had like nine players in this in the in the, in the screen on the TV screen if you like, and we had nine players, and it was just all all huddled and and and, and crushed up. Um, and I think for whatever reason we got kind of drawn into this kind of weird huddle on on the on the far side of the pitch as the cram as the camera was looking, if you like. But it was as we were attacking that you know one way, and then in the first half it was the other side. So it just it just kind of became a very like kind of compact, muddled game. And Preston always had like bodies around the box, and they're always very good at kind of pinning us to a touchline or, or you know or kind of doubling up on our real danger players. I mean, obviously Rutter and some of the you know, got the kick, got the got the got got beaten up basically, didn't they, in this game? Um, but that's good. You know, if if you're pressing, you should do that. that that's what you should be trying trying to do. So, yeah, I, I think it was kind of like good defensive display, and we kind of like brainlessly like fell for it and just kind of played down the left, played down the left, and we we didn't like come up with any kind of really good ways of spreading the play and you know stretching the pitch and making it bigger. You know, we we're really bad at stretching the pitch, weren't we? So I guess we were kind of like we we're a, a slow moving target, which is easy to hit for their defense, and you know they defended well. Is my reason, uh, my thinking. Yeah, that's a very good explanation, and I'm glad you picked up on that. Some of the things I picked up on too when I was, I was watching, and I think also I think in combination with with Somerville especially, I don't think he was as good as what he has been recently, and which is going to happen. No no player is good 100 percent of the time. I mean, I mean, he wasn't bad, I don't think, but he just wasn't at his usual levels. There were, there were little moments where I thought, oh, he's, he's away. And, and and it just never quite, the support wasn't quite there. Or it just it just didn't quite get there. I think, you know, I, I think at another day with space, he would have been good again. You know, it's just one of those games where the space wasn't there for him to exploit and, and his teammates make work quite there on the same level as him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to be too down on Somerville. I mean, getting, getting kicked lumps out of you by three or four pressing players. I mean, there's one time we nicked the ball and he was away and straight away they just tripped him. Yeah, I remember that one. Potts, I think it was, in the first half. Yeah, I think he got a yellow card for that, didn't he? Yeah, he got a yellow card, but that's like the third nasty foul he suffered. And like that was a really nice moment. I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit about our pressing and how we didn't do any good pressing, really, I don't think, in this game. That was one example of when we did do some good, but they were very quick at just like, right, clean him out, take the yellow card. You know, it's, it's hard to play against that sometimes. Oh, yeah, def- definitely. If these teams are, are willing to take lumps out of you, then it's, it's going to cause problems for us. And yeah, they, they did do well in this game, though. I think Preston could give them credit. Uh, they had a good game game plan. And they also, because they changed their shape, because they haven't played a back four formation all season. And this is the only one that they've kind of gone with a different formation. And I think, obviously, we will have been anticipating a free system. I know at that time it did look like uh, back five, but I think it was mainly a better back four, at least in my eyes, what I saw. Um, but yeah, I don't. I think it was. I think it was a back four that became a back five quite often, didn't it? People dropped in and make it to make it a back five, or like like I said, near side winger would become would would drop right in front of the fullback to essentially make it a back five, or the central midfielder would be a pick up, you know, dropping between the centre backs to make it a five. Whatever, there was always somebody filling in to make it a five when we had them down. But when we had the ball in deeper areas, in in Leeds deeper areas, if you like, when 
to Preston Wood then being the back five, but when we attacked and pinned them back, they would drop into a five. Sorry, when we had the ball in our deep areas, there would, would be a four. It was a four. Yeah, I'm with you. I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, they would press us in a four, but if we ever got the ball in, in, in kind of a dangerous-ish area, they would drop into a five, and, and the five would be made up by either a winger or the, the centre-mid dropping in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I don't think we were expecting that, and they did a good job of congesting these central areas with that. And that's because, because, like you mentioned there, when we were suddenly down the line, like we were doing a lot in this game. Which, by, by the way, every single one of our, our shot assists in this game, which there wasn't many of them, but all of them were on the left side. That's just, we had nothing going from all on the right side. It was weird. It was almost weird. I mean, I know we're left side dominant generally, but it was just weird how, like, how extra left side dominant we were this game. Or not dominant, but how less you know, how we went on the left all the time. And there was no one was like saying, hang on a minute, guys, this isn't working. Let's let's stretch the pitch. You know, Preston wanna pin us up in a corner here. That's that's let's open the pitch up a bit, you know? It's not like there were it's not like Preston were very good like offensive I mean they were, they had some good moments, but generally speaking, it wasn't like they were kind of threatening the whole time, were they Preston really? It wasn't like we were getting stung with great attacking play by them. Um they were just bogging us down. So, you know, we could have opened up really, I think, in that game. I agree, and it's good that you mentioned uh, Preston there. Uh, Preston had more shots than we did in this game, with 13 shots to our 11. But all of these shots only came to a total of 0.43 xG. Um, for Clarity, their opening goal was converted from 0.02 xG, and their second also from 0.02 xG. And considering what we've just discussed relating to our xG performance, would you feel this result was a fair one? I mean, if you're just looking at pure xG, then no. I mean, we generated double them more than double them so you know we should have won but i mean i've I come into a bit of stick on, on twitter yesterday because i put a tweet <laughs> out about our xg production over over the period of five days and a lot of, a lot of a lot of a lot of people don't like the fact that i was talking about xg and football's not on spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff so and xg isn't like an all singing all dancing like metric and it's not completely fair and so, you know, it doesn't always show the complete measure of the game. I thought Preston had a very good tactical tactical performance, and yes, their two goals were from low XG chances, but they were really well crafted goals, and they were clearly they were clearly that came from a tactical plan, and they were clearly like something they'd been working on and something they'd tried to execute. They tried to ex- they tried to isolate Miller on the left against Archer Gray. That's obviously a tactical plan that to come up with, and they knew he was capable of coming in and shooting like he did for the for the winning goal and putting those sort of chances away. He had a, had a few, he had a few shots like that, didn't he? Came in, it came inside a few times. There was one which um, it was kind of a shot come across, you know, that one where they sort of just whip it across and it could, yeah. it could be across if someone gets ahead on it and if it goes and it's shot. And that was in the first half, so there were warnings that he was capable of that. Alan Brown is a midfielder. Is Alan Brown the midfielder? He is the midfielder that likes to arrive. And, and scores good headed goals. He's, he's got, you know, he's done that before. I've seen him do that before. He's a good header of the ball. He's good arriving in the box and good at heading goals. Not a bad footballer. So for the championship level. So you know, these were coincidences. These were shots to nothing. This was like a plan. Although yes, XG is low. Um, they're executing a plan. I mean, if we play that game again and again and again, I would like to think Leeds would adapt and eventually like work out how to beat them. But we didn't in this game. So let's not get too wrapped up in the XG. It's for a single game. <laughs> He says, um, and, and I think in this case, no, I don't think Leeds deserved a great deal from it. I would, I would agree. I don't think we deserve, at least we didn't deserve a win. Maybe we could argue that we deserve a draw, possible. Um, but even then, I think I think stretching it a bit, because um, if you look back at the penalty that we won, uh, question marks on whether that was actually a penalty, I think. Yeah, that that, that wasn't a pen, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I'm, 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 in, I'm in the kind of, I'm a bit old school when it comes to pens. I think pens are given for Far too easily these days. I agree. So that's my that's my Dar opinion. That's my old boy opinion. Uh, I think the one in the in the Ipswich game. I think that one was a penalty. I think that one. Oh yeah, that was yeah yeah. It's fair enough. Yeah, he took him out. Yeah yeah. But I think Dan uh, James did stand on his foot rather than the other way around. But yeah, well, we still didn't get anything out of the game. It being down to that penalty, so it doesn't really make much difference. But yeah, but was there anyone who did stand out for you in this game, either for good or bad performances? Yeah, it's just I mean. Captain Pasco, wasn't it really? Bit of a bit of a leading by example type performance from him. Uh, defensively, generally very good. Bringing the ball out, obviously took his pen really well. Really kind of drove the team forward. Um, so yeah, just 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 you know, despite the kind of the state of the game and the team not playing particularly well, I just just really like the way he played, Pascal. And just thought he's just he's really kind of growing into this captain's role, isn't he, in leadership role? I think seems to me it seems that way anyway and it's just it's just good to see and out of these difficult games sometimes adversity you know like players stand up and you and that, that's good for that's good for the future isn't it i thought rutter 
once we went down to 10 men was superb. I didn't particularly like him. And, and, uh, but once we went down to 10 men, I thought, again, he took responsibility for carrying the attack and just doing a lot of work and getting hold of the ball and holding it up and linking play and just really trying to drive the gate leads forward. And he got some pretty rough treatment from Preston and he just took it, got up and got on with it. And again, just kind of a, a bit of a leader's performance from him, even though nothing much came from it. I just, you know, credit to him for the way he kind of plugged away. Um, so yeah, those two really. Yeah, those are the main two, I'd say. And there's just one, one particular good run which Rutter did in the second half about, I think it was not long after we made the raft of subs where he took it from our third all the way up and up into their final third off. Oh, that was glorious. He just powered through them. Just nothing they could do. A lot of people talk about one thing about Rutter is like what a good athlete is because he's a big boy and he's strong, he's quick, but he can ride challenges, can't he? And yeah, you know, just the quality of athleticism from him was um, was good. Well, one thing that's worth pointing out and um, we should look at is is can if he? I think he played more ten this game. I think Pro tended to play further forward. Don't know if you agree on that one. I think they swapped a bit more, but generally they swap a lot. They swap quite a lot anyway, don't they? There's quite often Pro will go up front and Rutter will drop in and they swap around. But I thought the balance was more towards Pro being at nine today on this game and Rutter at ten. I didn't notice. I didn't. I didn't notice that myself. I think it looked it looked relatively normal. But we'll have to keep an eye on that in in next games to see why. I think during the out of possession phase, he was still pressing as the main striker. See, I I I, I spotted a few times where Perot was pressing and was the leader of the press. And and generally speaking, I didn't think our press worked very well. And I was kind of thinking, why is that? And I kept seeing Perot leading it. I thought, is that why? Because um, you know, it's just it's not a good presser. So yeah, it's one to look out for. But I think Perot was the nine in this game more often. It's yeah. Oh, I'll I'll take your word for it. I think you've watched this game a couple of times, haven't you? Yeah, one well, kind of one and a half, one 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 plus a black like a whiz through looking at a couple of bits. Yeah, type of type of view. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'll I'll take your word on that. So that's something to keep an eye on if that continues. Um, in that game, so if that is what's happened, there'll be a lot of people who will either be very happy when we start scoring loads of goals because Perot is, is a striker, um, or we will. Well, it didn't work very well here, that's, <laughs> so that's that way. That's a quite interesting case study, really. I mean, I'm not I'm not anti Perot at nine. I know it's I know we'd have to change the way the team plays and we'd have to have different players running in behind. I'm not totally anti using Pro as a kind of you know false nine type player. Like the way that kind of Swansea did last year, where they had like wingers that were kind of high and very sorry, wingers that came narrow and got beyond him. That is a way of playing, but it would would have to change a lot of our team to like to make that work, wouldn't we? Yeah, so I think something so. We should consider this season. I think you know maybe that's a discussion for the summer and all that kind of stuff. If you know, depending on where we are with the squad and, and what division we're in and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, per, as things stands, yeah, pros are ten, mate. <laughs> Let's keep him there. I would agree with that. I would agree. And regards to uh, people players who had uh, maybe not as good performances, I think. Archie Gray did struggle with Liam Miller. I think maybe we underestimated Miller a bit. I think Archie was left on his own, own a fair bit. I think they were trying the same thing, which we mentioned earlier in from the Ipswich game. where Miller looked really, Miller was really good. Yeah, he was. Like, Fantastic. Technical on the control of the ball, the way he was skipping past players. Yeah, yeah, like surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah one to watch, I think. He, he did stand out for me when, when I did watch Preston for the preview. But it didn't stand out to me as much as... I didn't think that Archie was going to have as much of a problem with him as what he ended up having which was interesting and I think it didn't help because he was left to, to his own devices with him quite often he was isolated a lot was Archie and because I think like I said we were trying that same thing where we was leaving Dan James a bit higher and that wasn't helping things out at all in, in this game because it was quite clear that Miller had the beating of Ray quite early quite early in the game Tom Tom Wilson put a good thread out didn't he on Twitter early today and he's putting in our group chat talking about the kind of the setup here so what 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 essentially was happening was Miller was kind of staying high and quite wide. And Whiteman, I think he said Whiteman was one of the eights. He was kind of making a run sort of between Rodon and and and, um, uh, and Gray. And, and Dan James was having to stay high on their fullback. So it was like, there was like a great big acre of space. So it was essentially Miller was, if, if it, like actually Gray was half kind of covering Whiteman then half going out to Miller. And it just ended up meant that Gray was often isolated 1v1 versus Miller. And Miller basically had Gray's number 1v1, essentially. So it was kind of like a tactical, like Preston had set things up in such a way that, that the game was always over on the right hand side, leads to the left side, their right side, and then a big switch, Whiteman making the charge over and all of a sudden we're overloaded or we're one you know, we're one V one or two V two. And and in that situation Miller had the number on Grey, you know, the you know, had had Dan James ignored his fullback and got back and doubled up, we could have probably you know, we could have probably dealt with that, but you know, that would have left something elsewhere. Yeah, I think this I think this does really highlight that there's, there's quite an easy fix for this, in my opinion, because they were quite obviously targeting that side on their attacks. 
because uh, they were getting over to the right early first and getting the direct ball over there, but then they were switching it back over to where Miller was. And I think it's quite obvious that if we would have tried to put Spence there instead, I think Spence may have dealt with Miller a little bit better because he's more athletic and he's more powerful. And I think he probably would have been able to deal with Miller better than what Archie was. Obviously, we won't know for certain, but I, th- I think that would have been a better matchup. And then that would have also had the, d- the double effect of giving us more oomph on the right side to get forward. So it, it wouldn't have been just funneling it down the left all the time because we wouldn't have been able to ignore Spence on the right side and not use him in, in that manner. So I, I think that is something which I'm surprised Fark didn't try to switch sooner. Really. I know it's easy with hindsight, but... Even if even if we play Spence on the right with, say, Dan James, and Dan James is, you know, is where attacks go to die, generally speaking, but even with, even with Spence, he's going to draw the opposition towards him, isn't he? Because he's progressing the ball down the right-hand side. So even if it's just him getting us upfield and then switching, it just means that we're... we're the opposition, you know, have to stretch their defence across, and it means there's more space for 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 Somerville or whoever's on the left hand side. So just even if it is, it ends up being Spence and Dan James on the right hand side, which is probably not an ideal pairing. It would still be better, I will think, than the current setup, just because we would have something down the right to draw them across. And even if we, because this is a tactic which works works very well for Bielsa in the championship was with the the overload to isolate out of his tick where it was we would often funnel it down the right side with ailing and then we would then we would then we'd switch switch it over to to I think Alioski quite often got in some really good positions from this tactic. And we we know Alioski's strengths and weaknesses and he he thrived in, in that setup. He really did, especially in the championship. Not as much obviously in the Premier League, but in the championship he really did thrive. And I th- I think it's was something that I think I would like to see more of us switching the play from one side to the other after we have isolated the fullback against fullback. So just little things like that, little tweaks can be made made to it to improve it a fair bit, in my opinion. Um, but if I want to take us a bit of a wider look at how things stand, so we've recently put out a tweet about our rolling XG charts across the season. It's been put up recently on Twitter. I'd suggest you go to have a look at it so you know what we're talking about. But there's been a significant downturn in our recent open play XG across the last five games. And um, like you mentioned before, Dan, that's something you highlighted on your tweet recently as well. So what would you put this down to? If you have to guess. So there's, there's a couple of things. So the last time we had really like a really like fun game where we put up a lot of XG was the Borough game where we put up three, but we conceded one and a half. And it was a bit of a chaotic game, wasn't it, of XG going both ways. Now, so essentially, you know, we are muscle borough and we won that game fair and square in a shootout basically. Since then, like our defence has been brilliant. Like with with the XG against is really low across that five game sample, but the XG four has dropped. So it's almost like we've uh, you know I wonder if we've gone a bit cautious and a bit you know like a bit bit defensive on the sly and we're just looking at the counter teams. That's it. And I wonder if there's just a, there's a balancing thing. Because it's it's noticeable that the like I say our defensive performance has really really improved in that period when our attacking performance has really like dropped. So I just wonder if it's like a like a caution thing. Um, and the problem is when you go a little bit more cautious, you end up with lower scoring games. And football's a variance game and low scoring game, so you can come out on the wrong end of things in these kind of games. Um, I wonder if it's a bit of that now. It's it's kind of like five games is it's quite a small sample size for this kind of thing to play out i don't think we can draw any definitive conclusions but it's perhaps the start of a trend now if all of a sudden you know if this carries on for another five games and if 10 games the pattern is the same then i'll i'll, I'll happily say yeah we've gone more defensive and we're just trying to play we're just trying to win win games narrowly even though obviously we wallop tip switch but but more broadly speaking the games have been quite narrow haven't they and then lip switch aside since the borough game so i just wonder if it's a bit of that um and i think there are also and it was particularly in highlighted in this Preston game like we're, we can be a bit one-dimensional I mean if if Rutter and Cry don't combine where's the creativity coming from because we're not getting creativity from Pro. he's not a creative player Dan James isn't a creative player Dan James is just like a good final action kind of guy isn't he um, we've got Archie Gray who's not giving us a great deal from fullback we've lost Byram who gave us a little bit of creativity I think you know some quite good play from Byram from, from left back so I just think you know we've got two creators in the team at the moment Get Barham in there, perhaps get get Spence offering something. We get a bit more quality ball from the back. We can spread the play a bit more. We can become a little bit less 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 left side dominant with with Spence at right back, perhaps, and that would help. Um, so I just think, yeah, there's there's we kind of become predictable, very left side dominant, and perhaps become very cautious. 
and those things have combined and and with with perhaps the opposition realizing this and the opposition realizing well if we if we come out and play against Leeds like Borough did we'll get absolutely poleaxed so yeah we're not going to do that there's a few different explanations I like the two ones that you put that you put forward there um I think there's also maybe something to be said that across these five games the strength of the opposition was also quite good there was a number of teams there who were good um but also they all a few of them changed to a different tactical shape, which was a back three system. And that is seems like something which we have problems navigating around because a lot of a lot of our creativity isn't the standard Pablo number 10 gets on the ball and picks out a really nice pass. Our creativity is little one-touch passes. Uh, you get, get Rutter in, into the area, pick pass to him, he lays it quickly back off to Somerville and Bob's your uncle is as well. That's the sort of creativity we have. And it's it can be easily nullified by getting extra men in box to make it more congested. I think that is something which has been to play, and it'd be interesting to see if teams do continue that trend and notice that we do struggle against back three systems. And if that does continue, obviously we could well face back three systems across the next two games, and we smash them both, and then all this will put to nonsense. But I think it's just something that we need to take longer to look at and see if it continues. One thing I thought was poor in the Preston game was the pressing, and I was just I just kind of kept a tally mark of how many high turnovers we got. And this is really unscientific. It was just like turnovers in their half, basically. I was just putting a tally where we won it. You know, and, and I kind of I, I gave up, but I'm pretty sure I only counted three in the first hour. Now, that seemed really low to me. I, I Probably, there, were, there would be more than that. I wasn't paying, you know, I was just half, I was trying to watch and take notes and things. So I would have missed some. But the point being was, it's just, just more broadly, we didn't, like Preston, didn't give us any chance to turn the ball over, which is one of our weapons, isn't it? It's become, we've become quite a good pressing team as the season's progressed. I think against Ipswich, we won the ball high up quite well and, and, and what have you. But in the other games, teams have just not given us the opportunity to press because they're just getting it forward quickly. They're not, they're not, that you know they're not not giving us that opportunity where Black, uh, Blackburn, Blackburn kind of did, um, Borough certainly did, Ipswich did, and you know and we won those games fairly handily, didn't we? Where the other teams haven't they haven't played into that. Look at the way Coventry changed their style of play to play us. You know I was fairly impressed with Coventry in the pre-watch. You know playing some nice intricate football, possession-based football off on the mic, come and have a go. Just didn't just played over the top. Yeah, yeah. Just played it to Sims and, and you know, that was it. Just bumped it to Sims and got him to chase it. So teams teams are definitely adapting. So um yeah, there's that. So we've got to like, you know, if we can't if we can't create from counter pressing, then we're gonna to have to work out another way of creating that because that's that's one of our big attacks gone. I would agree. One of our big attacking weapons. Yeah, yeah. And if this trend does continue and we do continue to struggle against sides who do adapt and tend that it will be a concern. But I think we just need to give it some more time and yeah, maybe we won't get into the automatic promotion spots. Um, but if we can make a good go to playoffs, who knows what could happen? And we've got a lot of lot of good individual talent in this team, and playoffs isn't necessarily we're out straight away. Yeah, obviously Leeds have got bad history in the playoffs, but I back these players and to in one-off situations to do very well and to rise to the occasion. Yeah, and Fox Fox shown this year he's been pretty good with his big game uh, game plans, hasn't he? To be fair, yes. Yeah, it's only really Southampton where we we kind of got it wrong and struggled. Otherwise, big games would have been great. Um, um, and you know, and as the season progresses, you would hope that perhaps we'd have a bit more, you know, more, more we'll have a more developed attack with more more strings to its bow. You know, that kind of thing. So you know, and, and perhaps in a in a big final or in a in a playoff situation, like you say, it's just, I think I think players like Russell and some of us should come to the fore. Good players generally do in these games, don't they? So yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so one thing to discuss uh, the recent downturn in our xg how much of this would you put down to daniel farker's squad management so his lack of lack of rotation that we've seen well i think part of the thing i'm talking about with the press is you know we played on saturday and then we played again on when was boxing day tuesday so generally speaking we again there's not enough it's not big enough sample size but i'm a little bit worried that we tend to struggle in these midweek games particularly if they're away from home it's almost like he needs a full week to get the team ready i'm kind of wondering that and and I wonder if also his lack of rotation means the players aren't um, aren't as fresh, so therefore the press isn't quite as intense. And we're not quite as good in those kind of pressing situations when we don't have a week off. So, and like I say, the press is one of our big attacking weapons, isn't the counter press? So, if it's not as effective, that's one of our weapons diminished. So, I wonder if I wonder if this kind of lack of squad management, lack lack of freshness, is is part of why we've struggled in these midweek games, where you know where the where the team aren't as fresh and the aren't as rested. I don't think that there, there have definitely been opportunities to 
do some rotation with players who have played a lot of minutes. I can understand why he, he doesn't want to with that, with Ampadu especially because he is so good and he has been so good for us all season. And I don't think, obviously we don't, I haven't seen him enough to really say for sure, but I don't think Grouwit uh, could do the same job that Ampadu does, both defensively and get, get the ball forward. So I do understand his not wanting to rotate that because of the big gap in between the first choice and the second choice. Um, but another thing, that um, friend of the pod and creator of Focus on Leeds, Tom Wilson, asked in our group chat recently if Fark had issues with squad management at Norwich. So I took a quick look at Norwich in both the seasons he won the league with them. And this is what I found. So in the eighteen nineteen season, he had 17 players with more than 10 starts, with only four players playing more than 40. So only four players having more than 40 games in a 46-game season. That's right. Yeah. With only three, with only three players playing more than thirty-five games, and then there was a full nine players starting between fourteen to thirty-four matches. So quite a wide number of rotation used there. And then in the twenty twenty-one season, it was quite largely similar: eighteen players used with more than ten starts, with only three players playing more than forty, and only three players playing more than thirty-five. So they had seven players in between fifteen and thirty starts, and then there was a number below that as well who had around ten starts. Currently, so far this season, we have had six players who have played twenty or more games, with another four and so another five who have between fourteen and nineteen starts. And our current start starting eleven, minus Jed Spence, who has come in recently for the injury of Sam Byron. So if you extrapolate that for the whole season, we're looking at roughly having six players playing more than forty games, with five players playing between thirty and forty games roughly. So it's considerably less rotation than what we would see in with Norwich side and I don't think our squad is any smaller than what Norwich's was relatively similar size we've got a decent amount amount of depth in the in squad so why do you think he's not rotating as, as much with us as he was with Norwich well it must be a trust thing because like the first time he majorly rotated was Stoke and it kind of didn't work well did it so it's almost like he's been bitten by rotation and, and he's gone the, the, the complete opposite and says I'm not rotating at all so it just it just kind of feels like he he doesn't trust the guys that aren't in his first 11 or maybe his first 14 or whatever. Um, beyond that, like I say, um, Grove's come in and not been very good. Um, like Ailing was played quite a bit at the start of the season, but was basically a liability, wasn't he? Nanto's form's dropped off since his injury. I mean, he's looking okay recently, but yeah, just for whatever reason, it's just it's just that like he just doesn't trust. You know, he's getting he's not getting anything off Bamford, is he? That's worth talking about. Um, Jaden Anthony is not giving a great deal when he comes off the bench. He's, just, he's not getting a great deal from these guys, but I don't think he's doing a, a great deal to like integrate them and give them like enough time to actually like develop any rhythm either. So yeah, it's got to be trust, hasn't it? But I think that's 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 I would say that's a criticism. That's, that's on him to like gain that trust and to build those players up so he can trust them. And he's not doing that, I don't think. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think it's a significant negative in the Dingle fact pros and cons. Con. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, if if you look at the players who Outside of the first team, we've got Anthony, who has had two starts um, so far, which is obviously a lot less than what he will have been anticipating. Last time he was in the, in the championship with Bournemouth, he was a very, very good player, and he, he was very effective. Yeah, he is a good player, but he's just not being given any any game time. And I think this could well be, be a bit, bit of an issue for us when it comes to January, if we're trying to tempt any Premier League young players to come to play, play for us. And then they'll look and say, oh, well, once you can play, you'll play, play lots of minutes. Well, okay, then, well, how come Jaden Anthony's only had two? Um, oh. I'm, I'm less concerned about Anthony just simply because the best player in the league is in front of him in Somerville. I agree, yeah. <laughs> and, and, we've, and we've got Nanta, who's very, very good. Dan James can do play reasonably on the left-hand side. We don't really need Jaden Anthony, but he's a good player. And it's, it's more about the message it sends out. What I don't get is the Grove one. I mean, like, Grove played a lot of games in the Bundesliga last season. And from what? And from what I can gather, it was fine. Is a is a reasonable like level Bundesliga player. So you're telling me a Bundesliga player can't play in the Championship? I would agree. He's barely had a shot. He 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 himself has had one start that one game against Stoke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, and he wasn't good in that game. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. He wasn't as terrible as I think. As we remember, we had that conversation. We watched him back and thought actually he wasn't that bad. And he got better. And, he, and as the game went on, and in a couple of cameos he's had recently, I thought, yeah, he looks all right. He's put himself around. He's trying hard. He's he's winning the ball quite well. Yeah. He's passing the ball tidily. Like, give the guy a chance. Like, there's there's, a, there's obviously a, the player there. We don't pay five million, you know. But 
despite, despite what people think out there, you know, the, the scouting people at Leeds aren't idiots. They're no football. Like, there's a footballer there. Like, Fark's got to find a way to integrate this guy and, and get get some use out of him. The club have invested five million quid plus whatever we're paying him in wages. You know, a lot of investment for a championship club. Like, use the use the player, and it's it's a, it's a it's a negative on Fark for not coaching the guy up to a certain standard or getting the guy ready to play English Championship football, especially as, as a Bundesliga player. Like Nonto, what's he doing with Nonto? Like, Nonto's like at Blackburn, Nonto was miles better than Dan James. I know Dan James scored, but Nonto was better if you actually watch it. In uh, I agree. Bormans, watch the skill. Nonto's got way more potential than Dan James. Nonto. Yeah, Nonto had been nothing a lot more than what Dan James has. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, 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 these players need, need to have more use. Give them a run. Yeah, especially in this very congested Christmas period, if you can't give some games time to these players, I mean, even if you're not going to give them a start, at least bring them in earlier than what you have been doing. I mean, the game time that they have been given is about 15, the final fifteen twenty minutes at most, not even a full thirty minutes to try to make an impact, which is very very tough for a player to make an impact in that time. I don't like the way you kind of like discarded like yelled. and JB and Bate. I mean, these are talented boys. I mean, okay, maybe they're not quite ready yet, but like. Like we've seen, he'll do okay in the Premier League in the right circumstances. Again, you're telling me after 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 a couple of rough rough preseason performances and a not a, a not great first Championship game against Cardiff that is is no good. And like that's it. The club have finished with him. It just seems a bit like come on, like work with the guy, work with the kid, build him back up again. There's a good player there. I would agree. He's generally been um, in the past at least has been good at managing youth. He's um, brought a lot of players in, especially at Norwich. That could have been a case if that was the main only choice that he had in that situation. Um, but I, I do think there is definitely questions to be asked on that. I, I don't want uh, viewers to think that I'm totally, I'm 100% down on Fark at the moment. I, I do still think that he's, he's got us playing good, good football and I think we're in a bit of a bad spot at the moment. But I'm okay at the moment. I'm fine with where things are going. If we can improve a little bit and do better in the next run, run of games, and it would ease my mind a lot. However, if we do continue with this downward trend in especially in our open play performance then questions would start creeping into my mind as well but that is a question for other pods but i think that's about everything for these two games just before we go a quick reminder the website for our patreon is patreon.com forward slash asaw patreon well that's everything for tonight we'll be back with previews for the upcoming games against west brom and birmingham um, but for now i'll say thank you very much to dan cheers martin and thank you to dear listeners have a great week. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.